This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. How are you doing this evening? Fantastic. Excited for the weekend. Yes, yes. A very well-deserved weekend. Hard work all around. Excited uh, to record episode 80? 80. This is number 80. Ooh, just and 20 episodes from... From 100. Big miles. And then we and then we can cash in on all this money we've made doing Woo-hoo! this and retire in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> we so far have been really investing in our guests. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. Because 100%. we love what they're doing. Yeah, and, and tonight is no different. We've got a special guest coming on, Crypty Girl, uh, who is a... Uh, uh, a known entity in the crypto sphere, and uh, here we go talking about crypto again. Yeah, we're doing crypto again, so we're going to visit with her. Uh, we'll do have her on in just a second. I'll do an introduction for her, but uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the bear market. We're going to discuss uh, how she initially got into crypto because she's uh, she's a very young woman and she's had good success, and uh, she got into it a lot earlier than a lot of people do. And uh, we kind of want to hear a little bit around that story, what excited her about it. And then, you know, what she is, you know, sees in the future with central bank digital uh, uh, currencies coming into play, as well as, uh, you know, is the NFT craze over and and things of that nature. So we kind of run the gamut there. Uh, We've even, I think, mentioned the quantum financial system oh yeah that was bit. so exciting yeah that'll be in in, in uh, spoiler she she thinks it could happen in 2023 so Ooh. stay tuned be on the lookout for that so uh i mean anything else you want to mention or you think uh we're ready to bring her on i think just take notes and if you haven't invested in crypto yet, you know, start educating yourself. Because yeah. It seems like that's the future. And it's the bear market. So everything's on sale. Everything is on. If you like a good sale. Yeah, it is. It is a fire sale right now. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see if she's uh, in the queue here and we will bring her on. Okay. All right, we are here with Crypty Girl, and I'm going to do a quick intro for her before we get going and talking about crypto. Uh, but Crypty Girl, she is a Gen Z that began investing in cryptocurrencies in 2018. She is the sole proprietor of Crypty Shop, which is a premium apparel store for crypto investors. She served on the core Digibyte awareness team for nearly two years, which if you're unfamiliar with Digibyte, that's another uh, blockchain uh, she previously co-hosted a blockchain show known as The Block Babes, during which she interviewed blockchain founders, centralized exchange division heads, and wallet developers. She's featured in the highest of stakes documentary soon to be released and currently leads the ambassador program for Mad Energy and heads up the company's social media. Crypty Girl, thank you for coming to the Collective Resistance podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. 
course. Yeah, and, and maybe we could just kind of start it out uh, where you could kind of explain, you know, back in 2018 when you first started getting involved in crypto, how did you come to it? And uh, obviously, you're you're young. We don't see nearly as many young people getting as involved as as you were so early. So what what drew your attention to it and uh, and got you excited about it? Okay. Yeah, I love that. So that 2018 for me is uh, the year right after high school. And during high school and economics class, I know the teacher really hammered it into us that if you don't begin investing by age 20, you're basically not going to be able to retire ever. (laughs) 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 Or you're going to spend the rest of your life playing catch up. And I'm like, geez, that sounds like really intimidating back in high school. And like, I know nothing about the stock market. They covered it briefly in economics, but there is just too much terminology and the research into all the companies and how it all worked with our economic system was really intimidating. So I didn't really plan to become an investor. I was just hoping for the best, really. (laughs) That's me. That's me. In 2018, a good friend of mine told me about Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency I learned about. And of course, it was the first one created. So when he shared it with me, Uh, He started with the principles of, well, this is really a freedom-oriented currency because you have complete control of it and no bank, no entity or intermediary can freeze your money or take it away from you Um, and that there would be a limited supply that would finish producing in the year 2140, so a limited supply of Bitcoins to be created. And that scarcity of that limited supply gives it a lot of value. I'm like, wow, that makes perfect sense to me. It clicked instantly. I'm like, I think I want to get into this. And of course, I saw the price chart of Bitcoin has exponentially increased from when it started. (laughs) So that was the first cryptocurrency I invested in. And since then, I've gotten to many other cryptocurrencies, but it really was just something that gave me so much relief because um, as a Generation Z, uh, we all, I could speak for my entire generation when I say this, that we all feel very apprehensive about um, the current financial market and real estate included in that because every single generation, it's been harder for that generation to go out and buy a house and start their life off in the right place because college is way more expensive and students are paying off debt until they're 60 and houses are more expensive, but the pricing of salaries often doesn't increase to match the rate of inflation. So I saw crypto as the avenue out. Like for me, that was like, oh, that's it. This is my (laughs) shining light (laughs) at the end of the tunnel. Finally, something where I'm not just wandering in the dark, trying, hoping that it works out. (laughs) So that's, I connected with it instantly. And um, I I relate very much to the principles of sovereignty. So that's how I got started. Uh, Understanding that you wanted to be an investor and all that, what made you wanted to kind of be a personality and put yourself out there in public? Because that can be a double-edged sword. Did did you kind of have an end to that or, or did that just kind of happen organically? I think it really came down to my desire to bring more people this, uh, solution and, it's something I'm passionate about, um, getting into 
a sovereign investment that really allows a lot of good people to make a lot of money. That is, if you've done your research and you're careful, but you know, at that time, Bitcoin is still a more stable investment as far as all the cryptocurrencies. So I know for me um, that this would be, I knew back in 2018 that this investment would be changing my life in the future, and that I wanted to help others make a lot of money as well, because, um, you know, having good people make money really is going to allow society to um, innovate and be prosperous. And that's something I want to see. So I think that was really the end goal. So how I started was by creating Crypty Shop. I figured, hey, um, I've always wanted to be a business owner. I didn't know what my business would be. But now that I found <laughs> crypto and when I was younger, I wanted to be a fashion designer and gave that dream up. I'm like, hey, now I can be a fashion that's designer right. for the crypto space. And it's going to be helping promote the whole message with people wearing the most comfortable uh, crypto t-shirts and hoodies and sweatpants. So um, it's knocking out a whole bunch of things at the same time. So that's how I got started. And then after creating the apparel, I wanted to do more. So that's how I joined the Block Babes and we started interviewing people within the space. So is the Block Babes other gen z ladies should i say <laughs> or there yes. were guys too. okay okay so the how did you best three gen z ladies oh how <laughs> did you connect yeah so i met them on instagram because i was just reaching out to a bunch of young crypto influence influencers within the space that i figured if we could collaborate then we could do more to promote crypto and bring more people in um, and we all connected and liked each other. So we started streaming together. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That's really cool. I was just hearing today um, a psychologist uh, talking about how, asking the question, how did human beings, I mean, if we think about humans in comparison to all the other living beings or animals here, right? We don't have a lot of hair to cover ourselves to stay warm. We are not fast. We don't have a lot of physical strength like other animals. How did we survive and ended up at the top of the the food chain, basically? And she was like, it's because we're able to collaborate. That's what gets us up there. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because through this last three years, you know, it's been hard for people to collaborate, you know. So it's great to hear that your generation is really finding ways to collaborate, bring education and bring prosperity so that when you're older, you're all set. So I really love hearing that. So, so Crypto, Thank you. You know, uh, now that you've been in the market a while in, in crypto, what has surprised you the most as far as where we're at today versus when you first got in? That's a fantastic question. There's been a lot of surprises in the crypto space, especially <laughs> in the last year. I think my the first surprise was probably the biggest surprise for me. And then everything after that was kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense <laughs> now that I've been in for a little bit and I've learned. Uh -huh, okay. um, but initially, <clears throat> initially finding out how controlled the supply of Bitcoin is. And of course, you know, other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum of um, kind of 
big elite players that have purchased so much into the coin that they own a lot of the supply and their influence of manipulating the market makes it no different than the stock market. So just something that you thought was going to be able um, to really hedge against inflation or to be your security, you come to find out that no, the price is still manipulated. However, you still have a sovereign currency that you're in control of. So if you're using it just for currency purposes for transacting, then it's perfect. Um, but if you're also looking at it as an investment, as most of us are, mm -hmm. then um, then you're going to be surprised. So that was probably the biggest surprise. But after that, I'm like, OK, you know, that makes sense. They want a piece of the pie. Right. <laughs> this is the next big thing. They're adapting along with the rest of the market. And then after that, you see uh, you learn about stable coins having super centralized control and sketchy business with entire blocks disappearing and then um, centralized exchanges being from the beginning corrupt and um, things collapsing and scams and frauds all over the place. So it's like this whole big kind of a intimidating market that you really have to be careful as you're navigating through and do such good research and try as best you can to hold your keys the entire time and and for those who are listening who are new when i say keys i mean your private keys which is how you're controlling your own currency and not giving up that power to anyone else to be be able to take it away from you so <laughs> trying to maintain control of it the entire time not leaving it on a, a centralized exchange or in a mobile wallet it's best to have your cryptocurrency on a hardware wallet all those kind of things so if you can navigate it, then you're going to make it through just fine. <laughs> but there's a lot of distractions, I got to say. I Shiny think, object. I think that was probably the the biggest learning curve for me was that I... I I saw people get scammed and whatnot, and I, you know, just heard the stories about how some of those uh, those things are put together. You know, especially with people jumping within these instant messenger groups, like the Telegram channels and whatnot. People will direct message you, and you think there's someone else, and 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 even you know, even people who are are fairly in the know can still find themselves, you know, putting their guard down a bit and then uh, uh, giving a little bit too much information away. And so I wondered, um, you know, something I was going to ask you later was, you know, do you see that that there's going to be a time in, in crypto where, you know, in order to get the, the, the adoption from the masses, uh, I mean, are we going to have to get to a point where, where that more technical nature and that know-how kind of um, is obfuscated and, and you know, it's going to be much easier to, for, for the layman to invest? Because I know that even, even me, who's done tons of transactions at this point, you know, a, a couple, two or three years in, I still get a little bit uncomfortable, but, but uh, do, where do you see that going? That's a really good question. That's so far been the biggest obstacle to the masses joining and investing in decentralized cryptocurrencies. Um, I think there's definitely going to have to be a learning curve. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how I want to say this, but <laughs> I know where well, you're going. Well, I, well, I, I mean, the, the wiser generation. <laughs> well, I, and, and I, 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 I was wanting, wanting to know if you were going to say, you know, I think it's just time that we, we we're all going to have to, you know, become more educated and, and just raise the bar because we're used to everything being so convenient 
and that's the word okay convenience. <laughs> yes a lot of times freedom is traded for convenience oh yeah and at some point you're gonna have to do some things that may feel uncomfortable with the learning curves but that's the most secure way yeah <laughs> so and i think the yes. other part that's hard like if i think of my parents generation for example even me like leah was trying to show me some things and it seems fairly complicated. You need all kinds of different tools. You need to know, okay, which one is more secure. And then tomorrow, that one that was secure yesterday is not as secure. So you have to go jump to something else. And then you have the battle of the messaging in the media. My dad is always like, oh, I just heard in the media that cryptocurrency was it's crashing. Was crashing. There was some scam. People lost a bunch of money. So there's such a negative... Uh, such negative messaging around cryptocurrency. I mean, how, the, how is there a way to turn this around? Or is there a way that the older generation actually will gain access to the education? And what what is the easiest way for them to start learning about cryptocurrency and, and getting comfortable? Is there any tool out there or any, I don't know, blog or magazine or YouTube channel that helps the older generation? There's some really good YouTube channels, of course, and really good blogs. Coin Bureau is one of the good YouTube channels, one of the most well-known as well. Um, and there's different crypto learning centers that you can go to. Um, not any specific ones that I could name right now, but mm -hmm. certainly there is. And I got to say, over time, the tools to onboard into crypto will get better and more user-friendly. Mm -hmm. And by that time also, the easier it is to invest, usually the less return you're going to make by that time. That's true. Because it's easy to onboard the masses, then everyone's getting in and there's less potential for returns. So if you do put in the work learning now, early at the beginning, then you will often get the return, the rewards of that. Um, and, you know, I think at some point, everyone's going to be using digital currencies anyway. So there's going to be a learning curve that you're going to have to face at some point or another, mm -hmm. whether it's CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, or the U.S. dollar becoming a digital dollar gold backed, which we can talk about a little bit later. But oh, I do awesome. think this is the future that we're all headed towards as the world becomes more and more digital. We do want to touch on some of those things, but, you know, I wanted to, to, to start out, you know, given the current kind of bear market that we're in, you know, do you think the biggest gains in, in crypto have already been seen? And now that uh, uh, regulation's coming, do you think that's going to handicap the growth in the space or do you see it differently? I don't see, I don't see long term the growth being handicapped Perhaps it may look that way in the short term as malevolent players in the crypto space. Currently, the scams and the frauds are all collapsing, which needs to happen at some point or another for us all to move forward. So in the short term, it may seem that things <laughs> that there is less money to be made. Um, but in the long term, you know, it really depends on which cryptocurrency you're looking at, too. So I'd say for Bitcoin, you're not going to make as much return because most of the returns were made in the early three years, you know, from 2008 to 2011. Um, but new cryptocurrencies and blockchains are founded all the time. And when something is brand new, there's a lot of potential, but it's also very volatile. So you have to keep that in mind because 
the more risk <laughs> there's um well the earlier it is then there's more risk in it but there's more potential for high rewards as well um, but no long term i think there's always going to be new projects new use cases um, new companies that decide to tokenize equity in the market which is a whole new field tokenized equity on the blockchain. So rather than going into the stock market, uh, there's going to be new things popping up all the time. Yeah. How does that work? I, I know that, that uh, there are some projects starting to talk about that. I know you're involved with one, but how, how does tokenized uh, um, ownership, how does that work? Well, is issuing digital equity certificates on the blockchain. Um, so let's use Mad Energy for an example so that we can just kind of visualize sure. it. Mad Energy, it's an energy company, of course. And rather than choosing to go to the stock market, they're one of a handful of companies pioneering tokenized equity on the blockchain. So they haven't yet tokenized their equity, but they've already run an investment round. So they had a reg CS. So they did their crowdfunding. A whole bunch of retail investors and accredited investors have invested in this energy company. And when they invested, they signed a subscription agreement. So that's telling them how many units they're getting. And they did pay in US dollars for that. And that subscription agreement is their true ownership document. Um, and once all the funding rounds are closed, then that energy company can go to the blockchain, which they've chosen Pulse Chain for this, uh, for this particular company. Oh, then they can tokenize the ownership documents, the subscription agreements. And so now there's kind of two avenues, um, two different ways to have a return on an investment in that energy company, because you have the unit price so the unit price was $25 per unit when the retail investors invested. And that has the potential to rise or fall. And that unit is also now tokenized on the blockchain. So the unit price still on the blockchain has the potential to rise or fall. But then the each investor also is going to get distributions uh, quarterly. So their distributions on top of the potential for the price on the blockchain to uh, significantly rise or fall because there's always risk involved. Right. Um, and that is really, it's a security. It's like a tokenized security, um, but it's asset backed. So you have all the projects, the hydroelectric, the, um, the data center project providing clean energy for that in the future, the wireless energy. So Nikola Tesla type wireless energy. And Man, that's um, so cool. And, and it doesn't, mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that, that a company like Mad Energy would not ever at some point uh, be involved in like the stock market, right? It just means like right now, that's how they're choosing to kind of organize, but, uh, they, they, or, or are they making a choice when they, when they decide to do it this way that they want to bypass the, the, uh, the stock market and all of that going forward for really perpetuity? Well, they really view the stock market as the legacy financial system. And they understand that decentralized cryptocurrencies are the way of the future. So they're just getting on board now and helping to pioneer the tokenized equity space that other stock companies will be following in the next five to 10 years. So I don't, 
they don't plan to ever go utilize the stock market. Um, I guess they could, but I don't, <laughs> that would be regressing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I thought. I, I didn't know. I, from what little I'd read about it, I, I just, I wasn't quite connecting the dots, how the structure worked. And I didn't know if it was a, a stair step into that or if it was just a completely parallel system. So it sounds parallel, but for good reason, you know, decentralized is the way to go. And that's kind of cool to see them, you know, incubating that. And I should add a little bit more to it just yeah, yeah, for clarity for all the viewers. Um, a tokenized unit on the blockchain, that is simply, um, that is a security. It's not a cryptocurrency on its own. So it is tokenized ownership, but it doesn't have any use cases other than just representing your ownership in the company. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's good to clarify that that, that individual um, those units, those are not cryptocurrencies, but it does represent your ownership. You you would never necessarily like send it in a wallet to someone else. <laughs> well, there that those uh, processes haven't been developed yet, but we're hoping in the future that we can build out those structures where you could trade your units and send it to others. Or, oh wow! Um, mm -hmm. That's cool. Or go to, <laughs> The centralized exchange, you know, a DEX and yeah. be able to sell your units, sell your tokens right to that exchange and have someone else buy them instantly or hold it there. And also being able to transfer your ownership documents so that those kind of things haven't been built out yet. But we all foresee those being built out shortly in the future. <laughs> oh, okay. Very cool. Awesome. You know, on on you mentioned decentralized exchanges, but on the subject of centralized exchanges, you know, we've seen a lot of those be mismanaged recently, especially this over the last year, uh, and that's created a lot of drama in the market. I mean, do you look at that as kind of a necessary evil? Since really, centralized exchanges were not why crypto was built. So, I mean, I, I'm wondering, you know, is there, there's a subset of the crypto world's kind of like, okay, this is good because now this is really showing people who are wanting to invest in crypto that centralized exchanges are not your friend and you need to do this, this other way. I mean, do you see it that way or do you see it in, in, a, in a negative light? That is such a good question. I have not been asked that before either. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say no, that it's not a necessary evil. However, thinking about our current legacy financial system, it's very difficult to onboard initially into cryptocurrency investment without using centralized exchange. You can't just go straight to a decentralized swap exchange and buy your initial Ethereum to start swapping into altcoins because you first have to have it already to send to that <laughs> swap exchange yeah. to get other things. And the way you first get it is by often going to a centralized exchange. But then once you're there, all the regulations and the SEC has us has requirements that is in the US to KYC to give all your information, um, upload a picture of your license or your passport. Um, connect to your bank account or credit card and yeah, divulge all that personal information, which is really unfortunate. Um, but that's how it's been working so far. But I am hopeful that in the future, we won't need centralized exchanges anymore if we are switching to 
digital dollars backed by gold or silver. Yeah. Mm. And and then, you know, on the, the subject of like CBDCs, you know, and they're changing the landscape to, uh, of crypto, at least from what I read, they are. And, and uh, some of those first projects, I think, are even kind of taking hold in some countries. And, uh, you know, do, do they need to be rejected for, for crypto to succeed? Or do you, you see that really maybe being a, a, a parallel to the, the, the standard crypto that we've all kind of grown up with here over the last decade or so? That's a very good question. And it's hard to say right now um, because none of us can foresee the future, but just kind of make predictions. I would say even if CBDCs, central bank digital currencies are issued in the United States and um, they are now in use. Personally, I don't believe that it will force decentralized cryptocurrencies out of the market. I think it'll still be parallel decentralized currencies having its own market and potential for price rising and everything. And also it's, um, you know, once people are incentivized, I feel like they'll be incentivized to switch to the CBDCs. You know, you may get more CBDC issued per per every uh, dollar that you trade in for one-to-one, right? Or maybe it's more than one-to-one, um, but there'll be some kind of trade for that to happen. People are then going to get used to using a digital dollar and we don't know yet if the U.S. version of a CBDC is going to be um, a public blockchain or a private blockchain or a semi-public because they can choose those details before they issue it, whether all of our community is going to be able to see the federal government transactions, which I don't think they'll do because <laughs> <laughs> it allows the fraud to continue, right? Right. So it'll probably be private blockchain. However, um, it's still a form of a blockchain. So if people are getting used to using that and it has all the same properties of the current uh, physical fiat dollar, in other words, it can be printed infinitely, except now it's digitally. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> infinitely. Makes it easier that way. <laughs> yeah. So people are going to realize, hey, I'm already using a digital dollar and I understand how it works now. So I might as well just trade my no value to something like Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other cryptocurrency where there is scarcity involved or a lot of potential for <laughs> me to make money instead of losing purchasing power every year. So I think a lot of people would switch at that point anyway. So mm -hmm. cryptocurrencies will, I believe, will be here to stay. I mean, and I know that that one of the things initially when like blockchain came out, they were saying, well, you know, it can't be censored it can't be uh uh um you know taken down i mean is that true you know somebody who's, who's dove a little bit more into the technology than the average person i mean is it true that it can't be taken down or if if a government really wanted to be heavy-handed i mean could they somehow uh find where the nodes are and and go and and and, and blow them up down? or something <laughs> burn them down yeah well we we've seen china ban bitcoin so many times and then say it's able to be used again and they we've seen this example already where the chinese government will go to data center warehouses and shut down the bitcoin miners <laughs> that are there so they can do a lot to try to shut down or stop the progress of that currency but in the end it's still 
it's a decentralized finance cryptocurrency. So, um, you know, if people are able to get VPNs on their servers and locate themselves somewhere else in the world, then you can't be stopped by that geolocation of the government um, as much as they try. But you do have to have internet access. So, you know, the government can come to try physically stopping things, but there's always kind of a, a way around it. So yeah, it's, it's something that we have to all consider. You know, we have to take that into consideration. Um, and also, I always recommend diversifying your portfolio. So having some physical gold or silver is also a really good idea. Having real estate, having some decentralized cryptocurrencies in your portfolio, not having all your eggs in one basket. Um, it is a factor. However, you know, if the people really wanted to, they could get around that. So it is censorship resistant in the end. So, so, you know, on the, on the topic of, of people, cause you know, I had no idea how many different coins that there were out there, you know, and then uh, I can't remember where somebody directed me to a, a, you know, an online directory and it just seems like thousands, you know, and, and, and I'm wondering when you're looking for, for projects and whatnot, I mean, what, what advice would you give for people who are, who are trying to determine if a project is worth its weight? I mean, what are some things, things to look out for with that project? Yes, great question. I would say first you have to look at who the founder is of that project and research their background. That's probably one of the most important things because looking into the founder, then you're going to be able to feel out if they're more um, altruistic or more in it for greed or selfish selfish purposes. If they if there is backdoor controls <laughs> into that cryptocurrency or blockchain, you know, if, some, if the founder eventually decides, oh, I'm going to rug pull all the money out of this and uh, the price goes right to zero, you have to look at if it's actually decentralized or if there's ways that um, there could eventually be a rug pull, a backdoor, like I said. So looking into the founder's history is super important. As we just saw with Celsius, that was a mobile wallet that loan service, crypto loan service, then also um, earning yield by depositing your cryptocurrencies in that wallet. They just went bankrupt. And that one was that was close because even I was fooled by Alex Mashinsky, the founder of Celsius, thinking that he was more of a humanitarian and wow. he spoke all this big game about freedom, you know, all the things we love. He was on live streams every single Friday wow. um, with his face visible so that people could trust him. And, and usually when a founder is very public, there's um, you can usually trust him a little bit more, but now we're seeing this year that that's not always the case. Yeah. And <laughs> Sam Bakeman Freed was public and he seemed to be a harmless guy you know, in his t-shirt and shorts, hanging out in his studio. and seem to be very normal just like the rest of us but um turns out there's a whole bunch of shenanigans with ftx so we all have to be really careful with what we choose to put our money in um and when we do invest we have to try so hard to keep our currency in our own hardware wallet i don't recommend using mobile wallets i don't use mobile wallets at all personally because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of scammers in the crypto industry that will be able to sim swap your phone. So taking your phone number and making it their own 
or oh hacking into your iCloud, you know, so if your private keys were somehow uploaded and synced into your iCloud account and they hack into your iCloud, then they can withdraw your crypto and many more things that I don't have to go into all the examples, but it's a very bad idea to do mobile banking and having your crypto on mobile wallets. So having it, your hardware wallet. <laughs> it is interesting because, you know, it comes back to that convenience thing again. You know, it's it, these tools, having all these apps and everything right at our fingertips on the, the smartphones. But you're right. I mean, there's so many ways people can clone what you're doing on your phone and then just run away with, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that you may be storing in those wallets. It's kind of scary to think about how easy that can be for people with those tools. So um, that's good advice. Now, one thing that we saw a ton of during the pandemic, and it went kind of crazy, was this NFT market. And uh, surprisingly, it's, that seems like it's dried up. I haven't really heard a peep uh, from <laughs> NFTs since... Uh, uh, well, pro Giselle and... Uh Tom Brady lost all their money. No, no, they were they were in the FTX, but but I, they were probably in NFTs too. But but oh, yeah. but I mean, uh, is, is that an anomaly? That whole thing. Uh, what was your opinion on that? And is there is there a use case there that people should look out for? That there really might be some usability with NFTs at some point. There's certainly potential use cases. The NFT market that we witnessed over the last two years we're not really using those use cases. <laughs> so there was this whole craze about, you know, buying these JPEG images or GIFs made into NFTs. So tokenizing those images um, and tokenizing the artwork of it, usually digital artwork. Um, and that was just, it was such a bubble. It was such a craze <laughs> and I was never into it. I, I don't, I don't see how people thought that there was going to be a lot of value in it. They probably got fooled by the term scarcity being thrown around, like a limited number of tokenized images. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there was so many ways to reproduce it that it was so much in the baby stage of non-fungible tokens. So people could just, you know, screenshot or hack into the NFT marketplaces, which we did see that happening as well. And, you know, if people were, after they purchased an NFT, if they kept it on the NFT marketplace, they could lose that versus keeping it in their own wallets. Um, there are so many things that could go wrong. However, there is a use case, but I feel it still is being developed. Something I would use a non-fungible token for is to give tokenized value to physical objects, such as when you graduate college, then you can tokenize those diplomas and give those NFTs that are linked to each diploma. So you can authenticate that it's real, it's yours, and this actually happened and have that um, a digital number on uh, your wallet. And those kind of things, like being able to authenticate that or having NFTs for football tickets to the football game, that there's a certain number and that you can authenticate like, yes, this is the real ticket to the game or to the concert and that this isn't um, a, a copied one or a made up one that, you know, someone tried to produce. Um, so, or, or actual physical artwork or really um, 
expensive one-of-a-kind apparel like well only 100 dresses in the world were made with this <laughs> or or cars you know so i do think that there will be a, a use case in the future but it still has a lot of kinks to be worked out to for it to still be uh completely verifiable and authentic versus being able to make copies of it i think there's a bit more of it to go yeah so you certainly think we haven't seen the last of it it's just how people are using it right now or how yes. they were over the pandemic is not really where the the the, the juice is going to be in it long term <laughs> correct That's i don't think it was being used properly people are just getting crazy about the jpegs online <laughs> yeah i, I was uh... or using it for money laundering yeah, I probably, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it was a good way for that. Now, you know, we, we have talked, Crypti, we've talked to, or we've talked about some specific individuals that have been very critical of blockchain technology in relation to, you know, uh, what we would call like the control grid, the, the global control grid, and saying that, you know, anyone who is, uh, really pushing for blockchain technology is actually, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face because uh, uh, in the in the long run, this technology was uh, developed by the government and it's been kind of pushed out in in this. You know, l let's do it in a in a open well open source or a or a organic uh, uh, way to get people used to it and then we'll we'll use it to track every movement that they make within the world and so you know we we've talked about we talk about a lot of you know railing against the system and all that in the in this uh, podcast but do you see number one are you familiar with that that kind of parallel narrative and um, do you look at it differently and do you see that, yes, blockchain actually um, has some extremely uh, good, uh, you know, power to the people attributes that that really the, the stuff that people are talking about on the negative connotations, it, it really doesn't compare. How do you see that? I do think a lot of those points are valid and I absolutely stay open-minded to all the kinds of narratives just so I'm not closing it off. Um, and no one's really positive exactly how Bitcoin was founded, you know, the first cryptocurrency. It was founded by a Satoshi Nakamoto, a pseudonym, <laughs> um, but we don't know who Satoshi is. So could it be the government? Could it be an individual in his basement? I'm not sure. <laughs> However, we have seen a lot of good things come from decentralized cryptocurrencies. There have been a lot of bad things mixed into it when centralized cryptocurrencies are getting thrown into the mix with decentralized cryptocurrencies and people losing money on centralized exchanges or scams or hacks, all those kind of things. But I do think the good is outweighing um, the other things, and plus it was the original intention for us to have sovereign decentralized currency. And even with the truckers last year doing their, their trucker parade through Canada and the United States, when the government cut off their funds, I mean, froze their bank accounts, then they started using Bitcoin. They right. started using cryptocurrency and they were able to fund their cause and keep on going. That's exactly what the purpose of decentralized cryptocurrency was founded for yeah. so that when the government tries to interfere and try to halt tries to halt our lives 
um, or is cutting off your your money from being sent to your family over in another country, mm-hmm. then you can go ahead and bypass the government and still be able to do that using decentralized mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies. So there's so many good things that have come from this, and I'm really grateful for the founding of it. Um, and it, going forward into the future, I think there are many more good things to come. We all just need to be cautious with what we're putting our money into. You know, and, and on that note, I mean, are there are there any things that you're uh, anxious to see come about in the in the crypto space that maybe the average person who just reads, you know, New York Times or Wall Street Journal or that CNN. yeah wouldn't be familiar with that you see coming down the pipe here that are really going to be game changers in in blockchain? I am most excited. I'm very excited about the tokenized equity of big companies moving into the blockchain sphere because when you have an asset-backed coin, which is a total game changer because most of the coins out there in the crypto market are not backed by anything physical. Mm -hmm. Some are backed by stable coins. Some happen to be backed by gold, which is awesome. But most of them aren't backed by anything. They just have a limited quantity. A lot don't have a limited quantity. Um, so some or are there some that say they have a limited quantity, but they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know that can be as well. Um, you you'll have to look it up on the actual blockchain, <laughs> see how it was coded. You'll have to look at the code. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the tokenized equity sphere that will be coming. You know that market hasn't been developed yet, but that's something that we can all look forward to because moving um, our economy's assets into the blockchain allows our currency to really have a good standing. For example, energy is 24-7. We're always needing electricity and Mm -hmm. power to run our water systems or power to uh, grow our food or produce our clothing or different products. Like that's a 24-7 thing. So if you can move that asset to block, sorry, to back something on the blockchain, then um, that really gives your currency a very good, stable, uh, stable atmosphere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And moving in the future, moving all those kinds of things in our economy onto the blockchain, then um, yeah, it really creates a stable currency and allows all of us to be more uh, to flourish, and hopefully we can move our our governmental entities towards the blockchain as well. And the blockchain allows you to verify products from each step of the way or transactions. So if we can then visualize uh, how our government dollars are being spent, where it's going, all those things would be amazing. And yeah. I do foresee that happening with the use of the quantum financial system, which I'm hoping is to be released in the next year. What which, is that? Yeah, I, I hear people <laughs> talking about that, and I, I don't know how to visualize that. I mean, what what exactly? If if you had to explain that to a to a six year old, because that's essentially what I am. What what? How would you? Or do? to a seventy year old? What what is? Quantum? Or a forty year old? <laughs> is it AI driven or what is it? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Let me see if I could put this very simply. The quantum financial system will take the U.S. note 
rather than the Federal Reserve note. So already it'll be returning back to the true US dollar. It will digitize it. So it will be a digital US dollar. However, it will be backed by gold and silver. So <laughs> you'll be able to either carry the physical gold and silver with tracking um, within the coins and unique barcodes for your gold and silver. <laughs> so it's all verifiable. Or you can use the US digital dollar in the quantum financial system, which is going to um, the way that it's set up and coded, it will actually restore sovereignty as well versus a central bank digital currency, which would be completely controlled by the Federal Reserve, not even the US government, but right. by the Federal Reserve. And the quantum financial system in comparison is actually going to force you to create your own account um, once it gets released. And this is all kind of like hearsay because we don't know until it actually happens. But um, when you go to log into your bank account online or in person, you're going to have to create, well, first put in your old password and things to verify um, in the QFS system that it is who you say you are. And then you're going to have to create your new account details, new password. Um, and then it'll all be completely controlled by you. And you're, you're going to have private keys, just like in the decentralized cryptocurrency sphere. Um, however, this QFS dollar is not a cryptocurrency, but it does utilize distributed ledger technology, which was the predecessor to blockchain. So it's very similar to blockchain because it has a lot of the same attributes by using nodes, in other words, computers all around the world um, to verify all the transactions. So a distributed ledger technology, um, mm -hmm. and it's going to be com completely in your own control. I think that's the best way I can say it. And I have heard that there is an aspect of artificial intelligence to the QFS system. Um, hopefully this would be like a very benevolent artificial <laughs> intelligence in the way that it was coded. Because, you know, you could have, <laughs> there's a scale of AI. I think it could go either way, having bad AI or good AI. I think it just depends on who initially coded it and then release that function. True. Um, but I think that AI is supposed to regulate, kind of like provide instantaneous information in this distributed ledger system, like gather information from different parts of the world and use it to help stabilize the prices of all the countries um, around the world and make them, well, well, with the gold and silver, kind of like evaluate the right price of your gold and silver to connect it to the dollar. So it's um, a very, it's difficult for me to explain because I don't know that much about it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's pretty much what I've heard of how it will work. And, and do you and think that's something that would work in unison with decentralized cryptocurrencies? Okay, okay, that's that was one question I had. Was is that kind yeah, of in parallel? Who was behind? So if we're, as you were saying earlier, we got to really research who was behind the project, who did the coding, look at the coding, who was behind this? The quantum. Yeah. You know. Do you know? Is it the, the royal they? <laughs> is it Satoshi Nakamoto too? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is anonymous as well okay. um okay, so i think it's really just good players in the government in other words <laughs> the white hats that 
have created this system. So I, I don't know, but, but do, do it you sounds think, a whole lot better than the CBDC. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that, that that's something like if we're, if we're like five years off, 10 years off, I mean, do you have any uh, idea what, what people are saying for that? Or is it something like it's pretty way off in the distance? I think it'll be within the next three years. Okay. Wow. It very well could be in 2023. Oh, we wow. are actually very close with all the events that have been happening. Even this morning, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'd was, read about that and they put it on lockdown because all the investors were trying to pull all their money out. Yeah. Yeah. Silicon Valley Bank just crashed this morning and the FDIC had to take over that. Um, and also this morning, Wells Fargo customers are reporting that their deposits are suddenly missing. And we just saw that, you know, last month with Bank of America, same thing, their customers are reporting missing deposits. So these events are happening a lot more frequently during 2023 and starting to build up to some grand thing that's going to happen. <laughs> okay. um, but I think it is leading up to hopefully the QFS system. Plus, I do have a friend that I asked who used to work in the banking industry. He was ahead of one of the, re well, ahead of, um, he was the vice president of one of the branches of that bank, um, but he went to regional meetings of that bank. And I asked him one year ago, I think that was like a year and a half ago, I said, hey, is this QFS system legit? Have you heard of it? Is it being implemented? And he kind of smiled. He's like, no one's supposed to know that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so it's a thing. And he was like, I can verify that there has been training going on for the quantum financial system. Oh, wow. So for me, it's been verified. And I do think it's going to happen. And I do think it'll be in 2023. Oh, it could okay. be delayed. But I think it's eminent. No, you're you're right though. I mean, we're we're seeing like all these dominoes falling left and right. I mean, you, it, it, things can hardly stay in the news longer than a week because something else is happening, you know. So I mean, I, I think 2023 is going to be a big year one way or another. So, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think I think good <laughs> things. You you shake up the uh, the ants and and uh, <laughs> and one, one group of ants is going to win over the other. And and I'm I'm excited for what that could mean. Well, Crypty, what, what, uh, so when we talk about new people getting into crypto, looking back when you first got in and now, I mean, what would you advise people who are just getting in to, to, to do? And is that something that would be a lot different from what you did way back when, which is not that long ago, but, <laughs> but just a handful of years ago when you started your journey? I think it depends on who I'm talking to as well versus if it's like an elderly person or a younger person who's going to be more tech savvy. Um, but, you know, the, my view has kind of changed this year since we've seen the collapse of so many <laughs> centralized exchanges um, or crypto services. I would probably tell someone to get an account on Kraken. It is a centralized exchange but it's by far one of the better exchanges out of all of them. Even the founder tells everyone on Twitter that, you know, the SEC is going to have regulations coming soon. Get your money off exchanges. So okay. I would tell them to create a Kraken account. Um, 
get some Ethereum or USDC and then pull it off as quickly as possible, either to a browser wallet like MetaMask, if you're going to be trading it into a different altcoin or right on to your hardware wallet. You must have a hardware wallet though. None of the mobile wallets or leaving it on exchanges or even leaving it in your browser wallet is not ideal. After I'm done trading in a, in a browser wallet, I always pull it off onto my hardware wallet. And initially, yeah, that's that's what you do. And then you first have to do all your research. But yeah, that's what I would probably tell someone this month. Yeah, well, and I, I was telling her that that, that uh, there was a uh, I had done all this crypto stuff uh, a couple years ago. Really, really got into it, and then I kind of went into a lull for a little bit. And it was amazing to me that I was ready to make some more transactions. And I was like. I'm just trying to remember where everything is at and, and, and how I access it and what, what keys and everything. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, a little bit of guesswork. And I was like, man, I needed to do a better job. Uh, you were having a senior moment. I was having a senior moment. I needed to do a better job detailing all my information so that I could quickly get, and, and it also made me think of, you know, if something happened to me, you, I know you, you wouldn't be able to probably get into anything. So I need to have it all mapped <laughs> out with instructions. Yeah. You know? And the wheel, you need to have step-by-step -step instructions with screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. Get some documentation. You did, yeah. You made a fantastic point just then actually, if you're watching this and you trust your family members, <laughs> you don't think <laughs> they're going to go steal all your money. <laughs> You tell them where you've recorded your private keys for what what I did personally. Well, maybe I shouldn't share that. <laughs> <laughs> you could make copies of your private keys and hide them in different places. Um, and then just tell your trusted family members where there are, mm -hmm. where they are, if anything were to happen to you. But no one else is to know where your private keys are. That's something you should never share with anyone mm -hmm. unless it's something where if a situation happened to you, you want your significant other or your kids to know how to access, you know, the whole family's wealth. So yeah, I other think... than that, don't ever share your private keys. It, you know, it sounds like one of those treasure hunts, right? Where you make a map and then you hide the map somewhere and then you give like your family clues and then the family finds the map and they gotta go find them. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I we really appreciate you visiting with us and 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 kind of giving us your perspective on on uh, some of these blockchain and cryptocurrency topics. It's it's such a, I mean, I think it's so relevant, and I think especially because we're in a bear market, and so is you this know, the worst it's been, or it's because we always hear it's volatile, right? And you gotta hold on, and it's long term. But I mean, has this been the worst? That you've seen as for, I mean, the worst, I guess it's, is an opportunity, right? You can buy some stuff. Yeah, it's a great now. time to buy. That's what I was going to say. It's a great time to yeah, buy. Yeah. Is it like collectively speaking with everything that's out there? Is this been the driest, the barest it's been? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my second bear market kind of because I got in at the bottom of the 2017 bear market. When nice. I invested in 2018, it was the very bottom. So I didn't experience the bear market for that long before. But usually a bear market is every three years mm -hmm. um, okay. and it lasts for about a year. Um, and so I think we're 
getting to the tail end of this bear market because it's been about a year, I feel like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it seems to go by quickly for me, but I'm a young person with a lot of activities. Uh, but it, it probably is one of the worst ones for a lot of investors just because of all the collapses and the frauds being exposed. But like I said earlier in the stream, that's something that needs to happen either sooner or later. And it's better that it happens sooner so that we can all move on with flushing out all the bad players out of the market. Yeah. No, and I'm, I'm like, hey, it's all on it's sale. It's a cleansing period. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's true. Bear markets are the best time to invest. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So if people want to get in and they they love what they're hearing from you, where they can find you and how can we support you? <laughs> well, I'm at Crypty Girl on Twitter and on Instagram. I haven't been doing as much public posting lately just because I feel, um, well, I'm getting a little bit more wise, so I don't always... Feel the need to share my opinion on everything <laughs> okay, uh, but good. if you want to go to cryptyshop.com and buy some awesome merchandise for the next bull market then that'd be a great way to support me awesome. excellent okay. all right well thank you for joining us and yeah. uh, we'll let you uh, head into your weekend thank you crypty girl thanks so much thank you so much no problem thank you bye <laughs> all right another great interview with crypty girl mm -hmm. What uh, what did you find interesting there that uh, maybe you didn't know? Because I know I was in charge of. Well, there's uh, a lot I don't know. <laughs> on this particular. Let's just put it that way. The, the shoe is on the other foot this yes, time, right? Because yes. usually you're the one in the know, and I'm just kind of hanging on for dear life. Yes, and I was definitely hanging on for dear life, but I mean, just can't be prouder of you know her just following her intuition and doing her research and. Uh, Get uh, getting control, you know, of her future there. And it I love what she's doing with with, Ma with Mad Energy. I think we we'd love to probably have some of 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 that brain trust at Mad Energy come on at some point. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be really cool. Talk about this tokenization of equity uh, a little bit more, and then just what they're doing in general. They've got some really interesting technologies uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, we we did invest. In fact, a lot of people might have seen Fabian. Me wearing the shirt. Which was funny. You you didn't wear the shirt tonight. I know. I, I thought I was thinking about it. But then, you know, there was such rush to get this recorded. Yeah, Fabi usually has this make a difference. Because that's what MAD stands for, make a difference. She usually wears mm -hmm. their t-shirt when we record these episodes. Mm -hmm. But uh, Maybe we should put a link on the show notes. Yeah, we could do that. Sure, yeah, definitely. So people can go learn more about MAD. All right. Well, you know, as always, this episode will be in a video format on our Rumble channel at the Collective Resistance Podcast on Rumble. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at TCRP12 and uh, uh, Instagram at the Collective Resistance. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and phase on out of here. Let's do it. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Oh, yeah, the Telegram. Oh, yeah. Telegram you, you, at the Collective Resistance uh, to continue the conversation. But, Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious. And smash that like button. <laughs>